0: Hey, welcome back to the Broker to Broker Real Estate Podcast. Uh, We are jumping in to an interview today with Ben Schachter and we're talking about a lot of stuff. So we're actually gonna break this into two episodes and so stick around for both because both are packed with content that you're gonna wanna dive into. So the first one, uh, we're really jumping into this video about hyper-specialization that leads to massive growth, systems, and profit. Welcome to the broker to broker Real Estate Podcast, where we have real, raw conversations with industry leaders finding out how to connect, support, lead, and ultimately make an impact and drive results in the lives of your agents. I'm your host, Nathan Daniel, and welcome to the show. All right, everybody, welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, So our guest today is Ben Schachter, uh, all the way from Boca Raton, Florida with the Signature Real Estate Group. Ben, welcome to the show. Thanks,
1: Nathan. So happy to be here with you on your podcast. Yeah,
0: I'm. I'm excited too. We were. uh, We were having a great conversation, and uh, y'all are growing pretty rapidly. And so I wanted to bring you on today and just really cover about talk about growth. Um, And you've done it in a very very unique way. So I'm excited to hear all about that.
1: Uh, We're thrilled to share with you our story. Uh, We are a uh, 14 and a half, almost 15 year old business. We started out truly out of the guest bedroom of my home back in 06. Uh, And here we are, fast forward a dozen and a half years, and uh, we are over 1,350 people. Uh, And it's all through organic growth and having a great value proposition to offer agents, which is why they seem to be joining Signature in droves. Yeah.
0: Well, that's, uh, you know, I know you're, you talked about growth and um, you said over 1300 going 1350 and, and the number of people you're onboarding every month is amazing and you're seeing some rapid growth. But before we get there, like before we start talking about like let's go all the way back to the beginning, right? You said you started in, in your house, right in a bedroom.
1: Well, if you really want to go back to the beginning, I started in high school when I was 15, over 25 years ago. Uh, I'm probably one of the very few people in the real estate space today that's never worked outside of the real estate industry. Going back to sophomore year, family moved from New York City down to Florida when I was in high school. And uh, mom and dad said, uh, since you seem to have a lot of free time on your hands, you better get your first teenage part time job. And at the time in the state of Florida, it was illegal to work under the age of 16, and I was only 15. So where else could I possibly find a job, cash under the table, off the books? Of course, in real estate. Of course. (laughs) We know how how things worked back in the early 90s. Uh, I ended up getting a telemarketing gig with a broker, uh, calling for expired listings on the MLS setting appointments, not because there was any passion uh, or any connection to real estate, but simply because nobody else would hire me because I was so young. I did that for about two and a half years through high school, graduated, and then pursued my higher level uh, academic education at the university level, University of Florida, go Gators. And uh, because I procrastinated filling out my student housing paperwork, because of course I expected that was mom and dad's responsibility to do that for me, clearly I was wrong. uh, The dorms were full by the time I got to Gainesville back in 1996. So they referred me to an off-campus brokerage company that had nothing to do with the student body, but they helped a lot of students find off-campus housing. And there was a placard that changed my life on the desk. It said, help one and inquire within. So I knew that the allowance my parents were giving me in college was insufficient to properly date and socialize and buy football tickets. So I knew I had to supplement my meager allowance by getting a part-time job. Luckily, I could work legally in the state of Florida because now I was 17 and a half years old. So I applied for this job in this brokerage office while simultaneously looking for a place to live off campus uh, because I was relegated off campus. The dorm was being full. And uh, sure enough, by accident, I got my second job in real estate. uh, And it's all due to the fact that I never filled out that housing paperwork. Had I gone to the dorms, I'd never be working in the real estate business. I'd been waiting tables. I could have been working at a, a convenience store, but I ended up in a real estate office my first day on campus. Uh, I went from the low levels of cleaning bathrooms and Windexing the front window in the real estate office to the fascinating world of technology. They introduced me to fax machines and loading ooh, copy ooh. paper and the copiers. That was awesome. Whoa, was slow down on there, the fax
0: edge. machines, yeah. <laughs>
1: uh, and then over time, I, I kept growing with this brokerage office. I ended up being the office manager after four years, which in and of itself is rare that a college kid would stay at the same job for 48 consecutive months through college. Uh, So much so that I really seem to have a knack for real estate. Never had a license at the time, was doing everything administrative and clerical that didn't require a license. And by the time I was 21, I gave my parents their their worst nightmare following college graduation. Mom, Dad, I know exactly what I want to do. Of course, they were happy when they found out what I wanted to do. Not so happy. I'm going to get a real estate license going to brokerage. And they said, you're supposed to go to law school. You have a political science degree, which basically means you have a BS in BS. Perfect for being an attorney. Uh, however, mom and dad realized that I was uh, very headstrong, and I wanted to get a broker's license. So I got my first sales license at 21, and uh, and started selling in the year 2000. Uh, hustled from 2000 2006. Now. I don't know how many of your viewers were back in real estate or your listeners rather back in the 2000s, but uh, it was a great time to get in real estate. Right time, right place. I was very fortunate in my youth. Uh, I had a knack for technology. I started to learn a little bit about social media. Uh, I really know how to send emails and check voicemails. That was pretty cool back in the early 2000s. And sure enough, uh, I made a bunch of money working with uh, investors and working with people who were flipping properties. Uh, and then in 2006, the music stopped, right? The economy took a nasty turn and with it went my fortune. Uh, I was literally on the balls of my behind uh, in the end of 06 as the market collapsed because I'd over-speculated, just like millions of Americans. Not only was I working to help people buy real estate, but I was reinvesting those six-figure commissions I was earning into acquiring my own new construction property. Because, of course, what goes up can never come down, right? It's keep appreciating at 25% a year. Well, I got caught in 06 with nine mortgages in my personal name. I owed $4.5 million in debt to a few different national lenders. Uh, My mortgage payments interest only exceeded $30,000 a month. So what does a 27-year-old kid do that has $4.5 million in debt and has nine vacant new construction properties in their name? Do they follow the past like most most Americans did? Short sale, repossession, cash for keys, bankruptcy. It's not my fault. The bank should have known. They never should have lent me the money. See, Nathan, mom and dad taught me growing up in New York City that when you look someone in the eye and you make a commitment and you promise you're going to do something, you only have one reputation in this lifetime. And it takes a lifetime to earn and build that reputation. And one silly, immature mistake, you can blow that whole reputation. A handshake today is not what a handshake was 50 years ago. I promised those big, bad banks that I would pay them off. There was no fine print that said, hey, if the market takes a dump, you don't have to pay us back. Don't worry, we'll forgive you. I mean, it fundamentally bothers me, Nathan, so much in this country that you can stiff your mortgage lender out of a million dollars, but if you steal a loaf of bread from the grocery store to feed your starving family, you're going to spend a night in jail. How does that make sense? It just does not rationalize in my head. So sure enough, uh, I sold my really nice luxury automobile. I sold my very expensive jewelry. I sold my own personal residence. Heartbreaking, I gave up my Bull Gator football tickets, big investment there, gone. Gave up everything that I had acquired, making millions for those early 20s, things I didn't need, but I just had to have. And I was able to pay down the $4.5 million in debt without missing a mortgage payment, without a single day of delinquency from four and a half million to two and a half million dollars so you can really wrap your mind around how much garbage i had acquired in my personal life to be able to liquidate everything and get my hands on two million dollars in cash i then was able to sell those nine albatross properties for the two and a half million dollars that i had bought one year prior for four and a half million knife in the heart but while i was flat broke while i didn't have a place to live while i traded in my car for a bike well, I traded in my Rolex for a Casio calculator watch. Mom and dad were nice enough to let me sleep on their couch and I rebuilt myself by going back to real estate school, getting a broker's license, upgrading my sales position to a brokerage position. Now, of course, my folks were not thrilled because I had just blown through millions of dollars and they said, who's going to possibly listen to you? Why does anyone care about a flat broke kid in their mid-20s who lost everything? And I said, listen, two things. Number one, from 15 years old to 27 years old, I learned a lot about this business and I made a fortune. I made a bad mistake. I over leveraged, I over financed in a matter of one year and I wiped out 15 years of wealth with one year of poor choices in business. Nothing illegal, nothing criminal, just poor business choices. I think that resonates with people. I think people appreciate that if you can teach them about your mistakes so they don't repeat them, they appreciate that. And I really think people appreciate when you don't tell them you were born with a silver spoon in your mouth and everything you touch turns to gold and everything's perfect and you're just lucky all the time. I haven't been lucky. I haven't been lucky.
0: So well, hard, yeah, work. hard work. I mean, you, and you know, starting from 15 years old until the time you're 27, what I heard was you're just gaining a ton of experience that takes some people 40 years to gain. And you just did it in a very fast period of time. Honestly, it sounds like you did a lot of it in a year. Um, a year and a half period of time where you went, okay, like what actually is important? And all of a sudden it's like I've gotta I've got to figure out a way to get out of this, but I'm gonna do you know and and I I've got this shirt it's it's from an organization because I said I would, which I love it like shout out to them. they're doing some amazing things and it's it. like the handshake is not what it used to be and that's the way I was growing up as well and it's 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 it's, it's important to remember that and I like what you just said, your promise, and what I, what I heard out of that, your promise equals your reputation. And I like that because it, it's true. And your parents were very wise because, you know, once your reputation is tainted, it's it's hard to get that back if, if you can.
1: It, it haunts you. So I got my brokerage license in 2006 uh, because I wanted to take my story that I just consolidated in two minutes for you that lasted yeah. a dozen years. And I wanted to be able to share that message. And uh, it resonated because uh, I started out with a small brokerage with just a dozen people. Uh, I've got two great partners, a partner who's a CPA, who helps me keep on the fiscal, logical, conservative side of the table. I've got a partner who's an attorney who helps me with the legal ramifications of of the real estate business. Uh, And we built that business, which is a completely independent brokerage we proudly call signature real estate companies from a dozen people day one to where we are now with well over a thousand. So it's been astronomical growth uh, and I, I attribute that to a few different things. Can I dive into that? Tell you what I think separates us.
0: Uh, yeah. Well, let's before we get there. I, like I definitely sure. want to hit that before we get there. Like I want to go back to uh, and maybe this this leads right into that. Like when you started Signature Real Estate, it was different. And maybe this is where we where you're going. Um, when you started, it was a very unique way that was different than what most agents as well as brokers do. Most brokers go out. Right, They go out, most agents go out, like wherever I can get the business, wherever I can get the agent, I wanna go find them and then they can come land inside my organization. You did it a little differently. So let's talk about that if you're okay with that.
1: That's the perfect lead and that's where I was going. So I appreciate that. Uh, We decided with my uh, business model that I developed that we would specialize as opposed to going wide. We wanna be very hyper specialized. In fact, I call it subdividing. It's a phrase that I had coined 15 years ago. Most people think of subdivision in real estate. They think of a farmer selling a plot of land to a developer, chops up the 100 acres of palm trees or orange groves, and then puts 100 houses on them, subdivides it, and flips it. That's not how we subdivide. We subdivided the industry itself. Uh, Most large brokerages, marquee flagship impressive companies called Webanker, Remax, Berkshire Hathaway, Century 21. Generally, they're general real estate. They sell everything. I didn't want to compete because I didn't think I had the capacity to compete with the big global companies out there. I wanted to be very focused, so I chose a path that I thought was ripe, and that was the 55-plus senior housing market. And I became even more specialized than just 55-plus senior housing. I picked one particular neighborhood, one development, one gated community that I thought was very under-marketed that could be advertised aggressively and we could do very well. So I picked the community with my partners, Century Village. Uh, Now I realize you're not from South Florida, but uh, we do have a tremendous community here, Century Village, that has four locations. The cities of uh, Deerfield Beach, West Palm Beach, Boca Raton, and Pembroke Pines. And these are very modestly priced, 55 plus condo complexes. Between the four locations that have between 7,000 and 8,000 units per location, we've got over 30,000 condos in these communities. Now, if you're like me and you're a fan of Disney movies and you've seen the movie The Lion King, you know the circle of life is you're yep. born, you live, and then you die. Well, in senior housing, there is a consistent seven to ten percent turnover every single year. Doesn't matter who's in political office, doesn't matter what's going on with the economy, doesn't matter what's happening with COVID, doesn't matter what's happening with the environment, doesn't matter what's happening with the stock market. There is going to be a natural attrition of seven to ten percent because of the age of the residents in the community. So I was recognizing that Florida has consistently, for the last hundred years, served a great niche, the senior 55 plus market, by driving huge demand. We've got sunshine. We've got thousands of miles of beautiful coastline. We have no state income taxes. It's, it's camp for seniors here in South Florida. And this is back, again, in the early 2000s. Now demand for Florida real estate, demand for real estate nationwide was drying up 06, 07, 08, but I knew that seniors would come to South Florida no matter what, because they have for the last 100 years, no matter how many depressions and recessions we've been through. So I figured that if we could focus on a modestly priced product, while the commissions would be lower and my profits would be lower, the volume would more than make up for it. And we were right. We bought the domain name centuryvillage.com, which is the name of the community. We named the real estate company, Century Village Real Estate, which exclusively focused on reselling units in these communities. The youngest units we were selling were 10 years old. The oldest units we were selling were 35 years old. So there was no new inventory for us. It was all resales. But by strategically marketing these products, in the metropolitan Northeast, particularly the suburbs of the New York City area, we were able to really target on retiring teachers, retiring police officers and other first responders, retiring electricians, retiring plumbers, people that had more modest retirement plans. And boy, did we sell. In fact, the first year, we sold close to 1,000 units just reselling. The second year, we sold over 2,000 units just reselling this inventory because with the turnover, there was a never ending supply of product available. It was just a matter of using our website, using our newly phased social media presence, using some direct mail campaigns with direct mail focused marketing to hit these seniors saying, come to South Florida while the economy is falling apart 06, 07, 08, we have modestly priced, very attractive communities that offer a real lifestyle value proposition. And I think that's the key. Most people don't dream about living in a one- or two-bedroom apartment that doesn't have a washer and dryer or that only has a small, artificial lake view. People dream about lifestyle, golf, tennis, security, transportation, using your golf cart to get around, theater, shows, entertainment, arts and crafts, all different types of activities. And that's what we sold. In fact, we marketed similarly to how hotels are marketed. People don't dream about a hotel room. A hotel room is 20 by 20. There's two queen size beds and there's a small bathroom. There's a 40 inch JVC flat screen TV and a desk in the corner. Nobody dreams about that on a vacation. They dream about the beach. They dream about the casino. They dream about the nightclub, the swimming pool, the, the cocktails. They dream about the amenities. And that's what we focused on, marketing lifestyle. In fact, one of the founders of the company came up with the phrase, we add years to your life and life to your years. I mean, how perfect is that? We add years to your life and life to your years by offering this great lifestyle that's reasonably priced, that appeals to the masses. And while everyone else was focusing on the big, sexy, super expensive, ultra luxury stuff, and I understand that the ticket, high ticket items produce high commissions, it just wasn't selling. But we were selling a lot. And we then diversified from Century Village into a dozen other retirement communities who said, can you model this hyper-focused advertising campaign on our communities, set up a new corporation, name yourself after the community like you did at Century Village Real Estate, let's do Kings Point Real Estate, let's do Winmore Real Estate, let's do Huntington Real Estate, very similar communities to Century Village but gearing our advertising specific to that product by forging a relationship with consumers by marketing the lifestyle.
0: So, okay. So we covered just a lot right there and that's just kind of blowing my mind because it's 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 brilliant. I think it's very smart what you did because you're, you're hitting two things. You're hitting one, you're getting hyper local, right? I mean, there's this term floating around, become the mayor of your town, like becoming the local economist of choice and what you did by actually going into that, Specific community, Century Village, and saying, We are the go to resource for real estate here. Well, and it, looking at those 30,000 properties for anybody joining your company, how hard was it for them to become acquainted quickly with Century Village?
1: That's the beautiful part. It wasn't difficult at all because these communities are basically a mile and a half by a mile and a half square. Right. If your farm area is only a mile and a half by a mile and a half square, and there's only 10 different model units, and there's only one clubhouse with one pool and one set of tennis courts, if you really dedicate yourself to 30, 40 hours of education, you could master the entire community during that time so much easier than spreading wide and having to know an entire city or an entire county.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Because, while well, even somebody who has lived in that community for so long, things change. New businesses come and go and, you know, new developments pop up, new subdivisions pop up. They're all unique in the way they do things. Well, like, I, that's very interesting how you did that because you're actually setting your people up for success, too, because you're taking their learning curve and eliminating a lot of the um, just that education time. So that's that's really smart. And you know knowing your numbers as far as that 7 to 10% turnover every year with 30,000 units well you can easily go well there's probably 3,000 units a year we can count on in that one particular village maybe a little less if you're at 7% but what you've also done is you've created a marketing machine and an engine that is funneling leads specifically to this tagline like we add what would you say yeah, we add years to your life and life to your years right so you're actually Putting this uh, funnel, or you know, this this funnel, and targeting people in the lifestyle that marketing and driving them not only then to Century Village, but now what you just said, you've modeled it in other communities, and so the same marketing you've been doing before, now you get to go. Oh, by the way, if Century Village isn't for you, there's this option, and these are the, the amenities that may speak more to you, right? And That's the geographical
1: smart. pinpoint location of the communities. Yeah. A lot of people coming down here, they wanted to live near their kids or they wanted to live near a certain cultural uh, facility that was nearby or a hospital. Uh, so we had all these different options. Um, and uh, it, it worked out really well because it was the same exact marketing machine. It mm-hmm. was in a specific company name with a specific website, the specific logo, and it was very different from our competition. Um, but inevitably we ended up controlling all the 55 plus modestly priced housing in the market. Yeah, Uh, And then we can talk about the next generation of where we grew from there.
0: Well, I mean, it kind of leads me to that because all of a sudden you own this community and you own all of these communities as far as the, uh, the operations and, and the market share really in those particular areas. Well, like one question that immediately comes to my mind is if you're so specialized in a, in a specific area, then uh, like you're turning business away and you're saying no to other business, well, uh, how did you how did you overcome that? Like where did you go from here to go, well, there actually is an opportunity because maybe I don't want to specialize. I, I really like what you're doing, but I don't want to specialize in that. I want to do something else. How did you transition from going just to those communities into traditional resale real estate?
1: so there was a big stepping stone which was the real game changer we knew we had a great model selling these 55 plus modestly priced condo complexes what really was the light bulb that lit up for us was as the economy worsened 2010 11 12 we began to get contacted by the other end of the real estate economic spectrum and that was the super affluent very high ticket luxury country clubs and they were asking us what we were doing to sell all of this condo inventory, and we explained it, but they didn't really have a person or a vehicle to mimic what we were doing, and they were struggling. The more the economy fell apart, the more these luxury communities have trouble with resales. So they asked us, can you replicate this same model, but the other end of the economic spectrum? And we said, absolutely. Now, it was dipping our toe in the water before we dove head first because we didn't know how quickly we could sell the high-priced ticket items, But we got contacted by luxury communities like boca west country club glen eagles country club in del rey addison reserve and we set up specific corporations using the name licensing the name of these communities offices on site in their clubhouses or adjacent to the communities and once again websites social media channels direct advertising with just this one product it was almost as if we were a new construction developer New construction developers, big national players, DR Horton, Lenard, GL Homes, Toll Brothers, they just sell their inventory. So we mimicked what they were doing to specifically market inventory, but in the resale side as opposed to new construction side. Hmm. Sure enough, it worked. And we got contacted by country club after country club. So now we're selling certain inventory that's priced 50 to 100 to 150,000, and then certain inventory that's priced 750,000 to a million five. And there's a big gap in between. What we were focusing on all along, though, was selling lifestyle. I was not marketing a kitchen. I was not marketing a three-bedroom, three-bath. I was marketing golf, tennis, amenities, palm trees. People love palm trees. They love coconuts. They love sunshine. They love Christmas break, 77 degrees and sunny during Christmas break. And that Mm -hmm. just resonates with planet Earth, not just with a select group of people.
0: Yeah. Well, it reminds reminds me of uh, like going to these... uh, Small resort towns, like if if you go skiing or something like that, like there's typically one, maybe two, you know, real estate offices in that. Most of them are doing property management or Airbnb management or something like that now. However, like there's one predominant one where people are always walking past it. They've got the flyers up in the window saying, "Hey, here's the the one that's available this week," right? They have the old school brochures that you're still flipping open and stuff. It reminds me a lot of that, and. While uh, you know a- any agent could potentially go in and sell that area, who are, are the sellers really going to? Obviously,
1: customers like working with people that specialize. Yeah, there yeah. is a reason that Foot Locker sells more sneakers than anyone, there's a reason that Victoria's Secret sells more underwear than anyone, there's a reason Sunglass Hut sells more sunglasses than anyone. People like working with companies that specialize. You can go to Macy's, you can go to Bloomingdale's, you can go to Saks Fifth Avenue, and you can buy sneakers, you can buy sunglasses, and you can buy underwear. But there's a lot more of that product sold in the specialty boutiques than in the big department stores. And general real estate is more so like a big department store, where the specialists, the boutiques, are more like what I'm explaining. So the next iteration of our business is as we bombarded the Northeast, as we bombarded the upper Midwest, parts of Chicago, parts of Detroit, as we bombarded Toronto and Montreal with our specific product advertising, we were receiving hundreds of thousands of inquiries per year because people saw beaches, they saw palm trees, they saw golf, tennis, swimming, oceans, boats, the West, all the things we love about Florida. But there was a large number of people that we couldn't help. They were too young to live in Century Village. They didn't play golf, but they liked the homes in Addison Reserve or Boca West. So maybe they want a golf membership. They wanted to see the ocean. None of our communities were directly on the ocean. They had a boat. They had pets. Some of these communities had pet restrictions. So we had to figure out what to do with 50 plus percent of our leads that were inquiring about our products, that our products were not appropriately fit for them. Now, when you shop at Amazon and you type in a product, you might be looking for a brand, but Amazon is brilliant with technology that they show you dozens of other similar products that might meet your fancy in the margin next to what you're looking at as the main product. So we came up with that model. Of course, we're not Amazon. Of course, this was 10 years ago. But we said, we're going to take these leads and we are going to send them in general real estate. But rather than send thousands of leads on a referral basis to another existing corporation we set up signature international real estate and signature international real estate is the very first iteration of general real estate that we forged our way into through the signature real estate companies see the signature real estate companies is the mothership. that's the umbrella organization and we have dozens dozens plural of subsidiary brokerages under the signature real estate companies umbrella why signature international because the word international has some sizzle and we had a ton of international inquiries. So international people see the word international light bulb goes off. This company must be good for me. Yeah. I'm all about marketing and branding and focusing in and servicing my clients, whether it's buyers, sellers, landlords, or tenants.
0: Well, that's what I was going to ask you next was actually, so you hit the, you hit the North really hard. You hit the Midwest really hard at what point, and do you start marketing internationally?
1: Well, at first, we weren't marketing international because all of our buyers came from the Northeast, never Midwest. But of course, with the power of the World Wide Web as it's expanded, and I think uh, the statistic now is over 90 percent of homes in, um, in the world now have Internet access in their house. 80 percent, 90 percent. People are looking online from wherever. And America is always a safe haven and a place for foreign nationals to come and enjoy themselves or invest. Uh, so we put international in our name as service and appeal to those folks. Today, we speak more than 50 languages in our company, and we have agents in our firm that were born in over 60 different countries worldwide, Wow! yet they all live and work in South Florida. So they've immigrated here from other parts of the world, and uh, we are very, very focused on servicing those international clients. So we started to take the spillover leads from the 55 plus and from the luxury country clubs and share those with our general practice brokerage servicing clients. Then Signature International Real Estate had a new metamorphosis. We started to focus on some very expensive multi-million dollar properties, hence the birth of Signature International Premier Properties, because Premier Properties sounds even sexier with more sizzle for luxury homes. At the end of the day, our company sells everything. The very first time we got inquiries from commercial customers, we set up Signature Commercial Real Estate. Every company is a separate corporation with separate licensing, separate logos, separate websites, separate branding. Does this make it incredibly challenging and expensive for us? Absolutely. I have to have 26 logos and 26 websites and 26 licenses and 26 sets of insurance and on and on and on. But the upshot of that is I'm able to create instant marketability with my target audience. I'm able to create instant goodwill with my target audience, and I'm able to represent myself through all these different subsidiaries as specialization. If I may, we talked about this uh, on a previous offline chat, I look at the Marriott Hotel Corporation, and I'm just enamored by the Marriott Hotel Corporation. They have three dozen different brands of hotel chains they own, from the super luxury Ritz Carlton and JW Marriott to the very modest Courtyard Inns and Suites and Spring Hill Suites—they range from forty-nine dollars a night to four hundred ninety-nine dollars a night. It's still a hotel, right? And the Marriott hotel chain is right in the middle, around two hundred fifty a night. And they've got a wide spectrum of different brands. It'd be a lot easier and cheaper and more practical to call everything Marriott. But people who stay in Ritz Carlton at five hundred bucks a night are not looking for the Courtyard name and forty-nine dollars a night, and vice versa. Well, so we do yeah. similar. Thing.
0: Yeah. And the level of service that they're going to get at that $500 a night versus the, you know, going to the the hotel, like I'm driving down the highway. I just need a place to put my head right. It's an experience that you're going into at the, at the Ritz Carlton. Right. I mean, they know you before you even get in the door and it's like next level service and they know who their client is. And that's where I see that you've done that. And yeah, it may be more expensive. There is a lot more licensing and costs and everything else. However, with a new brand anytime that you open up or that that specific audience, you can take the same model that you've already learned and quickly, quickly start marketing to that specific thing to gain traction.
1: That's absolutely right, Nathan. And I'll also share with you that when you specialize, like our friends at Victoria's Secret and like Foot Locker and like Sunglass Hut, you actually have higher profit margins. Customers will willingly and knowingly pay more for a canvas tote bag in Louis Vuitton than any other canvas tote bag store on planet Earth. They will willingly and knowingly pay more for a sterling silver keychain at in Tiffany than any other sterling silver supplier on planet Earth. Customers accept that because they want to work with people who specialize and have expertise in whatever business they are doing. Yeah. When, when you want a deal, you don't go to a specialist. You go to someone who wheels and deals. When you want true expertise true market insight true knowledge and true plethora of inventory you go to someone who has their finger on the heartbeat of that product
0: all right so we've been talking to ben schachter in this video and get ready because the next episode is going to be dropping very soon and you're going to want to tune to that because then we're talking about how growing from very small hyper specialization and putting systems in place to now how is he growing and adding agents at a massive rate Systematically. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Broker to Broker Real Estate Podcast. If you like what you heard, make sure you subscribe to the channel. For more information, tools, and resources, go to com And always remember, be you and be real. We'll see you on the next episode.